Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Jasmine! Jasmine, how are you this morning? Oh, just fantastic. Fantastic this morning? Yes. Really? Yes. You're fantastic this morning? Indeed, I am. Okay, It's been a good morning. Why are you fantastic this morning? What are you thankful for this morning? I'm thankful for my grandparents. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they are just utter legends. They are some of the pillars of my faith. Um, on, on one side, they just travel the world and I never know where they are and you just randomly hear from them in some cool place. And um, yeah, they're really cool. And on the other side, I was just talking to um, the grandparents on my mum's side just recently and they they live in Goulburn and they're just doing Bible studies with their friends and just having yeah, a really good time and just really love them. Wow. Sounds like you have amazing grandparents. Big shout out to both of Jasmine's set of grandparents this morning. Grandparents, of course, are amazing. So, yeah, that's really fantastic. And you are thankful for what, Lyle? Uh, well, I've a few different things that I'm going to be thankful for. My wife is on her way Back to Australia. I can't say home for another couple of weeks yet, but she's on her way back to Australia. So uh, I think I'm probably going to list that as being my number one thing that I'm thankful for this morning. Ah, good call. It will be, uh, it will be super cool to have her back in this country at least. I, we, we don't even know. Stay tuned because over the next few days we will be able to give a bit of report on first-hand report on how the whole quarantine process oh, true. takes place as she arrives back in the country and uh, and has to go through that uh, that whole system so who knows what might happen um, we will find out you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different so, looking around the more serious news this morning, we're going to talk about conversion therapy. It continues to be in the news in South Australia. Um, we're also going to look at the uh, job seeker situation, and along with having a um, update on COVID and a story about uh, Bridget Bridger Walker continues to be in the news. So, those are all coming up. Stay tuned. says the
You were listening to Chelsea Moon with Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. We are about to start our quiz for the day. Jasmine, what have you got for us? What's it going to be? This is a what number am I quiz. So, Jesus had this many half-brothers is our first clue. So if you think you know how many half-brothers Jesus had... Um, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or give us a text on 0491-064-669. Do you think you know what that is, Lyle? Okay, I'm going to dispute the... I'm, I'm just going to dispute the, uh, the, the quiz question altogether. Read that question again. It says, Jesus had this many half-brothers. See, that's an incorrect... That's an, a, a, an entirely incorrect... Um, quiz question. Are you saying this because... It should read, Jesus had this many brothers that we know of. Okay. Or we suspect Jesus. Because the fact is, nobody knows how many brothers Jesus had. Okay, that's very fair. Very fair. Just because the Bible lists a couple of people and say, it says that they are the brother of... Uh, or several people and says that they're the brothers of Jesus does not mean that that was all of the brothers that he had. I mean, he possibly had sisters as well. Alrighty, reworded question. All right, is- so, 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 before you reword the, reword the question, um, <laughs> and Liam's mum already knows the answer, uh, but before you reword the question, mm-hmm. Um, if you've got more light on this, and if you can categorically prove from the Bible Ooh. how many brothers and sisters, whether half or real or otherwise, Jesus had, then call us up with your verse. I could be wrong here. Mm. I could very well be wrong. Wouldn't be not be the first time. There's been many times that I've been wrong. And if you can categorically find a verse that states this is how many brothers Jesus had, then uh, give us a call, and I'll give you an extra prize. Oh, nice. Just, 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 just for showing me the verse. Well, the prize that's going for this morning is The Gospel Flies by Night by Gerhard Pateras. Um, this is a story about, I believe, a night flight from the United States to Frankfurt um, in which a conversation takes place between two individuals. And we'll probably find out more about that after the next clue um, but that's an excellent prize the gospel flies by night so if you want to get um, in on this interesting debate about how many uh, brothers half brothers uh, family members jesus had um that's what you're okay i'm going to write a number down okay he thinks he has it no that da, is incorrect. there you go incorrect. all right so triple prizes are available Ooh. 
Oof, so, triple so, tri- prizes Triple prizes. All right. So first of all, you have to get the number before I get it. Second, you have to uh, – that'll give you – first, you have to get the answer right. That'll give mm-hmm. you a prize. Second, you have to get it right before I get it in the next section. That'll give you a double prize. And third, you have to show a Bible verse that categorically proves how many siblings Jesus – how many brothers Jesus had. And then you will um, then you will know the answer. And, and then you will get a third prize. Wow. Okay, positively different High news. What, what 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 is happening in positively different news? Absolutely, I got a really interesting story that I'm I'm really keen to talk about. Um, so, a team of bioengineers at the University of California have created a device similar to a glove, glove-like device that can translate sign language into speech. This is done by um, they have sensors, I believe, on the fingers and maybe in the palm of the hand. And as you know, the hand moves, it translates those, and you can plug it into a smartphone, a general smartphone, and it's downloaded through that and uploaded into speech. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. That that is that. So, so then that means that basically a uh, somebody can just you know yeah they can communicate with me. Yeah, exactly. So to be honest. Um, it's, it's a bit interesting because typically you wouldn't really need that in a given scenario because deaf people can just speak and you can hear it. Um, but, and then the real trouble is going the other way, you know, for them to, um, hear from you, what you're saying. Yeah. Most deaf people that I know can speak, but they speak with just a bit of a different accent because they can't hear to learn the sounds, I guess, but they must be hearing somewhat to be able to learn the sound. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, it probably isn't the most um, important thing for everyday day-to-day use as you're talking to people but it's very very um i can see it coming in handy a lot when you're talking over the phone because as you can imagine deaf people can't actually ring up people and have a phone call with somebody they have to go through typically a third person party um like over phone services but this kind of device means that they can just sit in their lounge room and sign away and it turns and it translates that into speech which can then go over a typical smartphone over to whoever they want to have a phone conversation with that's amazing yeah really cool what about somebody who was deaf and blind they would be able to speak but you would have to sign back to them Yes, but they're not going to be able to see. Yeah, be signed by touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I wonder how that works in this particular scenario. But this is uh, really cool. Amazing technology we have. Yeah, really excited about it. I'm particularly um, stoked about this because I actually know sign language. And my mum is almost a professional interpreter. um, And uh, that came about as a result of my best friend. Both of her parents are deaf. And... um, when my parents met them, it was because my brother and my best friend, they went to the same preschool or um, uh, early, early school. And, uh, you know, people get a little bit awkward around deaf people because they're like, oh, I don't really know how to communicate. How this am I going to make this friends? Um, what not? So people were kind of shying and steering clear of um, her parents. Um, and, you know, my parents, um, being Christians, they were like, oh, no, we want to really include these guys and make friends. So my mom went um, to 
um, what, what is TAFE here, it's CRT in the ACT, and she learnt sign language just so she could communicate with them. Your mum is such a legend. I know, 100%. So she learnt sign language to communicate with them, made really, really good friends, brought them along to church. Um, they still come to church from time to time, and now my best friend is a baptised member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, you know, she went to Arise and did Bible working, and it's just incredible, the the little the little ways in which that came about by that's stories like that's amazing that's just absolutely fantastic and um the the, the kids because okay so both parents are deaf but the kids are they deaf as well or not no none of the none of the children are deaf and she has a lot of siblings actually tons of siblings on um both her mom and her dad's side so it's it's uh really fun when i get to hang out at family reunions and things just completely silent um dinner conversation <laughs> but so much so fun it's just, really really cool everybody sits around and signs that'll be a good opportunity to uh to really brush up on your signing skills a hundred percent yeah 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 um Fantastic. Uh, just quickly if we can squeeze it in um before the time ends i wanted to touch on some really cool news that's happening in india as well um so it has been recorded by recent reports that malnutrition has declined in India by 6 million people. That's, um, that's really significant. Yeah, super huge. So I think that's a, about up to 20% of what they recorded. That was 2019 statistics since 2005. So that's a really, really cool goal that those guys are smashing in terms of their... Um, and it's great to see the Engli- the Indian economy growing and uh, the emergence of a middle class, mm. uh, something that they haven't had there before. This would be this will be good for India. They need to they need to develop, and good to see that it's actually taking place. Of course, we need to pray for India and places like that right now because these countries are getting hit harder with COVID than you know your average country. Mm. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. The facilities are just not there to be able to um, yeah provide what they need. Yeah, but, yeah, really cool. Go India. Good on you guys. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. And just when you thought that Angela was gone, well, she is gone, but she's kind of here, in fact. Uh, David Haupt wasn't able to join us for this week or next week. And so before she left, she recorded a couple of interviews with David and so that's what we're going to listen to right now. Well, today for our interview, we have David Hoft with us. We're very excited to have you join us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, and uh, good morning to yourselves and to all your listeners. Good to be back on Faith FM. So today we're talking about the Depression and Anxiety Program um, by Neil Nedley, and I am from America, and so I have um, often heard of Dr. Nedley's program out in Weimar, and I have been very much um, interested in it for a while because as a high school teacher, unfortunately, um, depression and anxiety is something very much talked about and very much struggled with. And I've watched many of my teens um, wallow and I have not known always how to help them out. And so I've wanted myself to go to Weimar so I could get the tools to be able to help my kids. Um, but I've just never had the opportunity. And then here I am in Australia and I see this um, sign on an RTM post up on the TV saying that we're going to have the privilege privilege of having training of the depression and anxiety program. And that is where I got the privilege of meeting you a couple of weeks ago. It was a great privilege to meet you and the whole team that came along to be trained. Depression and anxiety recovery program has 
uh, I think, came to Australia in, I think, 2007. So it's been around for quite some time and has made a significant difference in people's lives. So would you say that depression and anxiety are a common struggle in our world today? So it has become the new pandemic. We, we're all focusing on uh, COVID-19 as uh, a pandemic that's hit the world, while in reality, it has in actual fact brought to the fore a, a major battle in terms of mental health. Anxiety and depression uh, has become a major issue worldwide. And as people are battling to try and keep their focus with um, with the uh, COVID-19, it just escalated and compounded the, the whole struggle in terms of mental health to the point where today uh, there are some organizations that are asking for psychedelic drugs and um, drugs that we know will have long-term negative impact on people. Uh, there's some organizations that ask those drugs to be released in order to treat people. Now, that is just a temporarily um, treatment because it actually will create more problems. We need something that is an actual fact um, going to make major change in people's lives. Yeah, too often I think we put a Band-Aid um, on a wound that is festering um, that needs a much deeper um, healing than just a Band-Aid. Very true. And uh, therefore... In the current uh, modality of treatment, we often only look at the symptoms and we medicate the symptoms, while in reality, doctors from a medical perspective should actually be treating uh, not just the symptoms, but the causative issues. The problem is that in the DSM-5, the psychiatric Bible, we are not given any evidence of what the cause are. And this is where Dr. Nedley's program is so unique. It actually helps people to discover the cause. And then with lifestyle changes, we treat those cause. Awesome. Well, I want to get into that. But before I do, I just want to um, affirm what you were saying about COVID-19 bringing things to the surface that have always been there. You know, um, there's this acronym for busy bound under Satan's yoke. And I think that we've mm. we've covered our inner struggles with just keeping busy. And COVID-19 has forced us to do the exact opposite because we've been forced to just sit at home. And then the reality of what we've really been trying to push down for years is coming to the forefront because now I have time to think about it. And all the other times I've just used different jobs to refuse to actually think about what I'm really internally struggling with. And the more we focus on, for instance, the tally rate that goes up of how many people have been infected, the more we focus on how many people are dying worldwide, the more our anxiety will go up and thereby also our depression rate. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you've um, seen any figures or statistics, but I've heard that suicide rates are going up during COVID-19 right now. Have you seen Very anything true. about that? I, that is very true, and the reason for that is that people can't see beyond COVID-19. They they live without hope. Uh, what I'd like to remind your your listeners is that people reach a point where they can't see anything beyond those statistics and those figures and the fear of what might happen next to them 
actually catapults them over to the edge where they eventually decide to end their own life. I want to say to your listeners that there is hope, there mm. is a future. And if they feel that they um, that life is not worth living for them anymore, that they please need to go out and talk to someone about it and seek help because there is help available and there is a future for them. Amen. Yes, please. Thank you for that. Um, why don't we just go into the depression anxiety program? So pretend that you only have a minute or it will maybe give you two to sell it to us. What would you say? If you want to live a life free of depression, free of anxiety, this is the program for you. This program doesn't just focus on the symptoms. It actually helps you to discover the cause of depression in your life. And with lifestyle changes, you'll be able to live a life depression free. I've seen it happen. I've seen it in so many people that have been treatment resistant and after nine days walked out with no depression whatsoever, no anxiety whatsoever. If that can be true for people with treatment resistance and with trauma in their life, it can be true for you as well. Wow. Yes. Well, that gives me excitement. All right. So what is the success rate of this program? Our greatest success lies in our residential programs. Now, normally we run this program on a um, you know, for the community on uh, one day a week. And um, it relies on the fact that people actually put into practice uh, what they have been taught. In our residential program, we can, in actual fact, um, uh, not force, but we can manipulate people to, uh, even that's not the right word, but we can guide them very strongly to do exactly as what we would like them to do. In other words, we feed them the right mm, nutrients, mm. we get them to exercise, we get them to into fresh air, we, we give them um, cognitive behavioral therapy training. And in our residential program, we've got a 90% success rate. Now, currently, the best outcomes in treatment of depression, anxiety is normally a, a 27, 28% success rate. In our residential programs, we've got a 90% success rate. Now, why not 100% success rate? Because you will always find a small group of people that just would not comply. They just would not do the activities. And the, the success of this program relies on the fact that people actually are willing to make that lifestyle changes yeah and that's really the heart of the program is it's a, it's a lifestyle change for this program to be successful Dr. Negley had found out uh, as he researched uh, the, 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 the challenges of depression and anxiety, he has found that there's over 100 reasons why people can become depressed. Mm. As, as he started to list them down, he, he saw the categories opening up. There are 10 major categories that causes leads to the cause of depression. Um, his research found that you need at least four of those categories to be active in your life before you will become depressed. Out of that 10 categories, um, two of those categories are outside of your control. The other eight is under your own control. So if you need four before you'll become depressed, what's the chance of, of being able to live a life without depression? 
huge if you're willing Mm. to bring about those lifestyle changes but so often we solely focus in therapy on those two areas that we cannot change which is our genetical makeup so if all of my first line uh, family members are suffering with depression most probably i've got a genetical predisposition towards depression as well the second one is that of of our development. I cannot change my past. I can reframe my past, but I can't change my past. Sadly, those two components that we cannot change is where most of the focus lies. And we forget about the other eight that I can change. Yeah. Maybe we should give our listeners a chance to take the little test themselves. Can I should remember the 10 hits. I was in the class and I've just listened to the DVDs, but can you list the 10 hits? Sure. So our first one is our development. Second one, uh, sorry, our first one is our genetical, then our development, then our lifestyle, um, circadian rhythm, uh, which is our body clock, our sleep-wake patterns, then uh, our uh, the, the exercise, which is part of, of the uh, lifestyle. Then comes nutrition, toxins, addictions, um, social uh, and complicated grief experiences. Then there is uh, the uh, the medical addiction, and then frontal lobe. Mm. The frontal lobe we are exposed to, especially during lockdown, because so many of our people go and sit in front of the TV and they flick through the TV, which actually shuts down our frontal lobe. The question is, how can we reactivate it? And that is the exciting part as you attend one of these programs and you learn not only the hits, but also how to counter those hits Mm. that uh, a whole new avenue opens up for you and uh, your life starts to change. Yeah, I would really call this an empowering program and like a a program of empowerment, because what it does is it gives me the control back in my hands instead of feeling like a victim trapped um, by my circumstances, I now see lots of different ways in which I can take my life back into my own hands. We often have people that have all 10 of those hits active in their life. Mm. And after they've done the initial test, they still come up to me and say, David, there's no way my case is hopeless. In uh, one of our programs, a lady that uh, suffered for many, many years with um, Uh, depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues uh, had experienced major post-traumatic stress disorder, um, said to me, it's impossible that my life can change. Nine days later, in a residential setting, she had no depression whatsoever. Her anxiety levels were mild uh, anxiety, and there was a, um, the, the treatment resistance were completely gone. Wow. This person had gone from a depressed person, just looking at her, made you depressed, to a person that was so excited, bubbly. Even the, the staff that were cooking for us during the 10 days, uh, at day three said to me, um, are we just imagining ourselves? But uh, we, we are thinking that we are here more laughter in the group. There were people that that even attempted suicide Mm. uh, a week before that came onto the program with phenomenal changes. And I'm sure our listeners can resonate with these stories. Either they themselves um, have been in this pit of despair or they definitely have friends or family 
that have wrestled with this. And so to have um, a tool um, available to have hope is incredible. So um, we have a couple minutes left. Where um, could someone who is struggling with depression and anxiety, or maybe they have a friend or family member who's struggling with it, where could they go to, to join a program like this? And I would like to recommend to them to uh, take up their telephone book and look up the Seventh-day Adventist Church in their area and give them a call and ask them whether they are running a depression anxiety recovery program for the community. Uh, that is always a fear for people to ring up a church, especially if they're not members of that denomination. The training that these people are given is that this, when this program is conducted for the community, it has to be about depression anxiety. There's going to be no hooks, no catching them to try and drag them into the church. They can come with a clear understanding that this program is there to help them to overcome depression, anxiety. If if they are unable to, uh, the, the local church in their community, if they are unable to run a program, uh, ask that church to give me a call and I will try and find out where in, the, in your area the closest community is where that program will be run. Mm. And I'll be able to support you. Awesome. And I just want to challenge any listeners who are listening who maybe felt like me, um, where they have lots of people that they love and care about and they want to so desperately have the tools um, to be able to assist that this program is for you. I felt very overwhelmed at first listening to you, David. I was like, this is too much. I'll never be able to run this. And then by the end, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And I have the tools to truly help somebody um, and so I just want to challenge you, if um, you can, um, to contact David. Or David, what can somebody do who wants to run this program? We advertise on a regular basis in our churches uh, the training program, and we welcome people that are not members of our denomination also to become part of, of a team to come in to be trained up. I run in... Uh, North New South Wales are normally run annually three training programs. I run in other states of Australia uh, once a year a training program and uh, happy to have people from all different faith groups remember that they need a team around them to support people. And this is a mental health education program where Dr. Neil Nedley is the um, the person, the expert in it. So he does it, the, the, the program, based on a DVD pre-recorded uh, series we train you to be the facilitator and the support for the people that come to that program who would listen to Dr. Neil Nagy presenting well thank you David we are out of time but we just want to thank you so much for joining um, I feel very excited and I hope others um, feel like there's hope in a world um, unfortunately full of depressing things you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM positively different okay so Jasmine uh, question of the day Question of the day. Question of the day is, so we see in the first chapter of the book of Job that Job offers sacrifices on behalf of his family, on behalf of his sons um, and daughters, I believe. Can you do that? And if so, what is the result? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can you do that? Uh, Job did. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you can. Uh, what is the result is 
a more interesting question. And so basically, the question that you are asking is, can you ask for the forgiveness of somebody else's sins on their behalf? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, what did Jesus say? He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So he was asking for God to do what? Forgive them. That's exactly the same as what Job was doing. Oh, you're right. I see where you're going with this. Okay, so here's what you can do. You can ask God to forgive somebody else's sins. Mm -hmm. You can't ask God to save a person because that involves surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's something that that individual mm. must do. But I want you to think about it this way. Why do we have these instances in the Bible where somebody asks God to forgive somebody else's sins? And we have the ultimate example in Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is very simple. Sin separates us from God. And when we're separated from God, it is much harder for God to reach us. Yeah. Okay. If then that sin is removed from the equation, it becomes much easier for God to reach Work. us. Huh. Very interesting. Now, think about this. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is being nailed to the cross by the Romans. Mm-hmm. And he asks God to forgive them for their sin of doing so. Mm-hmm. That's going to make it easier for God to reach them. Yep. On the crucifixion day, there were only two people... Mm. There were only two that recognized Jesus as the Son of God. Everybody else was like, it's over, it's done, it's failure, whatever. But one was the thief and the other was the the Roman centurion who said, surely this is or was the Son of God. Those were the only two that confessed Jesus Christ at the time of his death. Mm -hmm. Now you have to have so much faith. To confess Jesus Christ when he is being executed. Yeah. The disciples weren't even doing that. The disciples were mourning his death, but the thief and the centurion were recognizing and confessing Jesus Christ right then and there. And I believe that one of the reasons that the centurion was able to do that was because Jesus had asked for the forgiveness of his sins, the sins that were separating him from God, so that he could actually see what was going on when others couldn't even see it. Okay, so we do have a biblical precedent uh, for asking God to forgive other people's sins. We can't, you know, obviously save them. That is their decision, but we can ask God to forgive them from their sins to make it easier for God to be able to reach them. 